One of the key criticisms of people who focus on audience building is that they focus too much on audience building and not enough on substance. And this dynamic between audience and substance is something that I like to explore more. One of the best framing of it I've ever come across is Kevin Kwok when he uses financial ratios as an analogy to talk about gravitas and in, indirectly the trade-off between audience and substance. What is gravitas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't for sure think I have gravitas, so I don't, I don't know if I if I have the answer to to what is gravitas. Is it just aesthetics for older people? Like, <laughs> aesthetics, aesthetics for older people. <laughs> like older people aesthetic. Like, what is gravitas? Yeah, I I, I think I've, I've I've thought and discussed this question uh, a bunch, and I think it's interesting because I think we don't know. I don't think there's consensus on on to your point on what it is to begin with like network effects it's this kind of thing where everyone's like it'd be great if i had gravitas <laughs> uh, and, and you know everyone's like you should have like if you you know worked on gravitas then then like life would just be like better in all dimensions <laughs> and you're like but specifically what actually is gravitas it's like yeah it's this kind of quality that i don't like i know it when i see it but uh yeah. but like but you don't have it and so i think it is you know the first part is like what is it and I think that there's the traditional definition of gravitas and then maybe different new definitions of it. I think traditionally people have thought about gravitas in this kind of classic VP of sales, mm -hmm. like, or, or like super old school classic like, way. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of them do have gravitas, but the question is, have we been too narrow in our definition of it? And I probably suspect yes. I think that there's two directions that I've thought about what gravitas could be, neither of which I necessarily am set on. One of which is gravitas is, and I would roughly define these as like the PE value version of this and, and, the, and, the, and the not PE value version of this. I think the not PE value version of this is gravitas as kind of reaching a level of self-confidence in the thing you are talking about where you not only understand it, but understand at least one level deeper of it than however deep you're going to have a conversation with others on. And I think that when you have that, there's a comfort level that people have that is a, is a, is intuitively apparent to people, if not explicit. And I think it really requires being one level deeper in knowledge of it because when you're not, you don't know when it's going to go off the rails, right? And and so it's it's kind of this ability to not only understand something, but understand why it is the way it is, so that if somebody pushes you, you can actually on the fly reformulate for yourself what is what is actually e, e, the the cause of it. But I don't think that's the traditional definition. I think the traditional definition probably falls more in this sense of PE value. Which, you know, PE values in companies, price to earnings ratios are, are kind of this, you know, there's a technical definition, but the, but the general way I, I view them is you have this PE ratio, which is like, hey, what do you think this company is like? What is the substantive value of this thing? And then you say, hey, but actually, what's the multiple above that that we are valuing it at? And, you know, is this good to value it higher, you know, at 14x versus 5x versus 1x versus 0.5x? I think the answer to that is it's good if you have a good ROIC on that form of capital that it enables you to get cheap. Because a P value, a P ratio is so that you can get cheap cost of capital 
in the financial markets, that's money. But in, you know, as I view P ratios in, in non-financial markets, that could be social capital, that could be knowledge, that could be whatever. But it gives you cheap cost of capital. And if that is your constrained resource, then it is hugely net beneficial. If it's not your constrained resource, then not only is it not beneficial, but at some point you're going to feel awkward when it converges because people realize that actually there wasn't there wasn't a justification for you having that PE ratio. And so I think that gravitas is a form of that PE ratio, right? Of people who, who whether it's because they're charismatic or her, they have depth in some domain or whatever reason, have the ability to be valued at some multiple of somebody with all of the exact same characteristics except for that. I think that, you know, insofar as you think that things that unconstrains you on is the constrained resource, then it can be super valuable, right? Which is, which is why I think that the question that, that is a super important question for a bunch of people is, well, how do you go figure out, you know, once you figure out what is your constrained resource, how do you go figure out what is that thing that increases your P ratio in it? And, you know, as an example, uh, the, obviously I think it's very unclear right now how this is going to go. I think that historically Elon Musk has had a mm. very high PE ratio, right? Uh, and we've seen this in his ability to get, you know, massive amounts of capital at, at relatively cheap rates in the public markets. And that actually has been incredibly useful for him because he was working on industries, you know, all the companies he's, he's, he's working on are industries that are extremely high capex. And so SpaceX and Tesla do require large amounts of capital to even have a chance to succeed. And so very few people could probably even attempt to do what he is doing at Tesla or SpaceX without the ability to raise the amount of capital that he has been able to raise. Now, of course, that means that the very weak spot of his is the fact that if he stops having that P-E ratio and being able to raise capital effectively, then, you know, these are very economy of scale industries that, that require it. And, and so, you know, right now it, ma- it makes sense both that he, he has actively cultivated and built that PE ratio. It also makes sense that this is the place that is the most existential risk uh, to, to attacking Tesla because, you know, he actually does have an amazing ROIC on, on this capital. But the question is, what exactly is the runway he has, right? To, to, to keep having access to kind of all of this, all of this open, open capital to, to draw from. Yeah. How do you think it's going to play out? <laughs> if I knew how it was going to play out, I'd, <laughs> I'd be a far better, far better public market investor. I don't, I mean, I, I have, I have no clue how, how, how it's going to play out. Well, it's just even forget the companies for a second. Elon's reputation, and maybe those things are <laughs> too related, but it feels like it's, you know, become more of this, like, you know, more closer to like real celebrity, like Kim Kardashian, like, like, yeah. like drama and, um, cur- is he sort of like invincible <laughs> because of like what he, what has he achieved, what has he accomplished? But it's just sort of interesting to think about you know, when, when the tide turns on someone, how, how the cycles play out. Yeah. Yeah. Public opinion. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is a fascinating one to watch play out because I think that views on him are have become so polarized, and then both sides also have such strong views on on kind of the the insanity of of the other sides of you know holding their view and and and, and like unethicalness of the other sides 
holding their view. And I think, you know, just a step back, it, it is a fascinating thing to just watch out and in, in understanding and understanding these kinds of systems because both sides are, are kind of entirely rational in that his P ratio, you know, the success of Tesla probably is actually directly a function of his P ratio. And so it is probably both simultaneously true that if you gave him a unlimited budget forever, he could make Tesla achieve all of the things that he wants it to achieve. And also that if you cut him off and he was unable to have cheap cost of capital, that Tesla has 0% chance of hitting its production targets or scaling up or any of that. And then the question is just somewhere between, you know, zero months to unlimited months, where is actually that line of what it takes to actually kind of hit its minimum viable stable scope, right? Uh, and should we, should, should he be, will he and should he be given that cost of capital? And, you know, on one side, you have people who say, hey, he should just a priori be supported because he is working on things that are net positively useful and are, are, are good for humanity. And so there's no price at which you shouldn't be rooting for him and supporting that. And on the other side, you have people who are, are, you know, at least implicitly saying, Hey, actually, there is real value to us having efficiency in the valuing of things in the public markets. And we shouldn't reward people for burning the commons of misleading people to, you know, to, to benefit from that system and then using that for their own personal benefit, maybe even for the benefit of others, but at the cost of other people who would want to, who could also do amazing things, but, you know, would either not get that capital or would, you know, have their, have their things be looked at more skeptically because, because of, of the misleading of it. And look, I think that actually, both of those are, are, are interestingly correct, right? Both of those are a trade off of, of exactly what we were talking about before of the stock market of, of how we think about it. Because, you know, the more you think there's a delta, which I have no clue, right? But the more you think there's a, a intentional delta between the, the things used to, to get people to support the stock and the current state of the business, the more it is a burning of the commons. And, you know, the, in general, there are there are definitely positive things to to be had from that. If the you know if if he builds something that is super successful, but in general, we also should should weigh the concerns of of anything that uh, you know we we should weigh the concerns of we don't net want to to promote people burning the commons. And so I think that you know it's a it's a tough one in that dimension. And the reality is that it is a super open question on i i think that uh, said like whether he can achieve it or not is entirely a function of what time frame he actually has to work on right and like it almost makes it reflexive a little bit it's 100 percent reflexive. if you think he's a good right? business person he will be a good business yeah person. it's 100 percent reflexive right because you know figuring out like the challenges that they have as a company they may not be figured out because you know figuring out how to do this how to actually build vehicles is a remarkably complex thing and it takes time and money. And and so like the question is, will he actually have the runway for that? And what is the runway that is a reasonable runway that he should be supported in having that yeah. is, is for sure in flux, right? So there's not all that much actionable here. 
but I think it is a very good discussion on the meta-analysis of what is going on when you give people credit for things they have done, knowing that probably some of it's bullshit and probably some of it's going to be wrong if you actually knew a bit more about the subject matter.